and welcome to episode 51 of the Talking Toro podcast. Uh, I'm here as always with my co-host uh, Peter Bourne, who once again showing a lot of commitment uh, is joining us from the sunny climate of uh, sunny climes of Budapest. Uh, probably more commitment than uh, some of the Toro players showed uh, in Monday's nil-nil draw against Cagliari, but we'll uh, we'll sort of hold off talking about that for a little while because we're going to change things up and get a bit on the pod. And uh, yeah. Pass over to Peter for a uh, introductory Toropedia. Yeah, let's go. This is a bit of a one one hit short pod. This might be the shortest pod we do. So, um, yeah, you might even like this one a bit better because we'll <laughs> we won't hang around too long today. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd start with a bit of a Toropedia, Rob, just to um, before we talk about the the um, yeah something about paint drying a walls match that was against Cagliari. Um, so let's kick off with this. We'll give the answer at the end of the pod. Uh, pen and paper ready. Okay. Um, I'm going to be nice, Rob. Uh, it's August. Things don't count as much in August. Can't be as competitive. So here we go. Uh, 1986 to 89, Torino, 49 appearances, four goals. 89 to 90, Milan, our opponents uh, this weekend. So part of the reason I chose this one. 20 appearances, two goals. 90-91 alone to Fiorentina, 32 appearances, 8 goals. Back to Milan from 91 to 92, 15 appearances, 4 goals. 92 to 98, Lazio, 188 appearances, 35 goals. 98-2001, Parma, 86 appearances, 10 goals. 01-03, to Roma, 15 appearances, 2 goals. Back to Torino 20, uh, from 03 to 04, 29 appearances, two goals. 04 to 08, Canelli, 90 appearances, 30 goals. What, who, 08, was that, who, was that, who was that team, sorry? Canelli. Canelli. Exactly. I'm not sure my um, yeah. me eating it really helped you. Uh, <laughs> 2008 to 2009, Sevillanese, 23 appearances, six goals. Made the big money move back to Canelli in 2009 <laughs> for 12 appearances, one goals. 09 to 10, Nicese, 10 appearances, four goals. And then the highlight, obvious highlight of his career, 2012, Colline Alfredi Don Bosco, two appearances, no goals. Please don't ask me to repeat any of that. And if anyone <laughs> wants, it repeat, wants it repeated, please play it back. Um, so there you go. We'll give the answer at the end of the pod. Uh, Rob, you got a bit of a clue about that one or? It's it's early it's early in the morning, so I'm hoping maybe uh, so as a warm up, I start to have some ideas. But not out at the top of my head. I know you're trying to be kind, but at the top of my head, I can't think of anybody at the moment. Um, that sort of sojourn into the lower leagues of Italian football, um, maybe somebody who just couldn't let go. Um, I think that might sum it up. Yeah, do you know who else can't let go? Well, it sounds like a very good segue. I think I went with a segue and don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> I think I think Urban Okara and Davide Vagnetti can't let go of not buying a striker. But yeah, um, Cagliari, Rob, I, I got to admit, I, I kind of had it on in the background. I was, um, was prioritising other things. Didn't see a massive amount of it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. To be honest, it was a big crowd for um, August. Crappy kickoff time. 
in uh, severe heat. And bearing in mind when I say August, a, a lot of Italians go away in August on holiday. So the crowd looked good. Um, I really liked the new TV graphics. Thought they were good. Um, and I thought to, I thought it had all the hallmarks of a classic Torino home match under Juric against a um, so-called well, so-called uh, lesser team, or certainly someone uh, we should be looking at taking the game to and getting points off. It seemed to start off very well, and then didn't get that goal in the first fifteen minutes, twenty minutes when we were on top, and then we just we just seemed to lose any kind of um, guile, creativity, energy. Uh, Cagliari came into the game. The best moment was probably Vanya's save from Nandez. Second half, I saw a little bit less of, but it just seemed like it's a lot of deja vu. It's it is Torino impotent, um, pretty solid, um, good shape, good structure, but just not enough flair in the final third. Lacking a goal scorer, and we've had a week where uh, we're bringing back more players from la- from last season's tenth place finish. So. We'll get onto that in a minute, but yeah, there were my thoughts on Cagliari. August football, I don't get. I've said before, I don't get too concerned about. I just find it really weird when the transfer window is not going to close until after we've played what two games. Um, it's just it's just very difficult to make a judgment. I think the most positive thing is we kept a clean sheet, didn't lose the game, um, and let's hope we're not going to get very far until we can start winning home matches. We start kind of. Um, uh, unlocking defences like that at home. Yeah, no, I think I agree with a lot of the points you said there. I sort of wish that I um, had only kept half an eye on the game as well because it wasn't the most riveting uh, game. You sort of you wait in sort of two months before Toro are back on your screens, and then you start to to quickly remember remember and realise just how frustrating a watch they can be, uh, especially in the Euro, especially in these home games. There's just my frustration was just that lack. I think I mentioned it on Twitter as well. Just that absolute lack of urgency. We if from yeah, we started we started relatively well. Had the chance with Sanabria, um, and yeah, I thought we looked okay. Nothing, nothing special. But I thought we, I thought we would go on to win the game. Um, yeah, I, it's one of the weird games where actually I don't think anybody other than Vanya probably comes out of the game with any credit. I don't think anybody played particularly well. Even Bongiorno looked a little bit. A little bit rusty. Even Shears, Rodriguez. I didn't think anybody at the back looked like absolutely sort of solid. That chance with, um, with the save from Milinkovic Savic came from sort of a potential foul on Bongiorno. But again, it didn't look particularly uh, clear cut either. But it, had it gone in, I don't know whether VAR would have overturned it. Um, and yeah, there was just a spell in the second half where, he, like, we bought on. Juric had almost sort of gone to what I imagine maybe like a 4-4. I don't even know really what the formation would have been because it brings on Linetti rather than Tomeze, which is, was a bit a bit of a strange one. Brings on Pellegri alongside, alongside Sanabria, but keeps the, the whole back three. Um, and yeah, just there, there was just a spell in the second half where actually like if you looked, at, if you just turned, tuned in, you didn't know who was the newly promoted side. Calgary were just sort of passing the ball back they were quite happy with the point, but looked more like more of the likely two sides to win it. To fit, you would probably think, oh, these are, these are probably two newly promoted sides, or maybe Tari with a newly promoted side. There was just no real urgency of, oh, okay, one player is going to like take this game by the scruff of the neck, um, and that's just a really worrying um, sort of start to the season because that's really how the home games at 
the end of last season was starting to go as well. Um, totally, yeah, we'll probably get onto the point as well, but the idea that we're just going to potentially end up with the exact same squad that finished 10th last season, bar maybe changing um, Bellanova for, for Sango and Moranchuk for maybe somebody else, like other than that, it is has the has the change been been that sort of obvious? Tomeze will be a squad player. We need a left wing back. We need another striker. Um, and yeah, they, I'm concerned that with a week week or so to go into the window, we probably need. I mean, I'd say we need three starting players um, because maybe maybe two. Just you just need a striker who you can alternate with Sanabria. Sort of very rarely in Serie A, other than. Them like I wouldn't say any of the sort of top sides don't just have one striker who plays every game. Uh, maybe Lazio being the being the sort of um, anomaly to that rule. Every other, every other side will have that little bit of rotation where somebody plays one game, somebody plays another. I think that's good squad management to have rather than just having okay, so Nabry is our first choice striker and then somebody else is our second choice. Like pick the striker depending on the opponent in a game where the defense is going to sit back. And you sort of need a more of a physical presence potentially. You've got another another striking option, um, and then yeah, in other games you can you can play Sanabria. Um, I think Juric mentioned that he needs that he he needs a, a sort of a as a patter or a Hoyland, um, and the strikers linked <laughs> strikers linked so far. Um, I've seen a link to Myron Bodu uh, at Monaco today. I mean, I don't think he was he would be sort of in that sort of genre of striker. I mean, Enzola is probably the the closest to that sort of tall, um, athletic striker that we need um, against sides who are going to sort of sit back and and we've sort of let him go off to Fiorentina and and didn't really do anything about it. Yeah, I think you said it. I mean, I don't want to talk about Cagliari too much more. The the Lilletti change was very strange, but I read some... And to be fair, I actually thought he did well. Like Nothing against Lilletti. I thought he played well when he came on, but yeah, a player who was linked to leaving the club to to come on ahead of a new striker or ahead of maybe a more attacking change, dropping Vlasic back and and bring on another attacking player, even bring on Verdi at that point. Um, yeah, it was just very strange. Yeah, I've read I've read something yesterday that Europe's not been very impressed with Tamese's uh, form. Um, um, what kind of preparation? So maybe it was a bit of a punishment substitution. And then yeah, Simone Verdi coming on again. He actually threatened at one point to score a wonder goal but um yeah I think we leave it there for for Cagliari um transfer wise Valentino Lazzaro is back um or Vale is back as Torino uh, as, as Torino tweeted yesterday which for me was quite funny but yeah Lazzaro is not a bad player um he was the one player last season capable of delivering a dead ball um quite good on throw-ins as well. I've said before, he's, he's got a bit of Kieran Trippier about him. I think if he gets to 50 appearances at Torino, he made 23 last year, that would be the second most appearances made for any club. So he doesn't hang around anywhere that long. His injury record's not great. Um, but it's bringing him in as a player who knows his teammates and and, and knows Juric is not a bad thing. Uh, I'd still like to see a a kind of really strong left-sided player come in. Uh, we keep saying that. Um, the striker thing worries me because, yeah, you've mentioned mentioned the player at Monaco, but otherwise 
um, the players who are linked to more uh, trequartistas or wide forwards. Uh, Musa Barrow, really not a big fan of three goals last season at Bologna. I think I called him Wheelbarrow after we played him last year. Uh, he looked so clumsy and stationary. Uh, Joachim Correa, I mean, I've always thought of him as being someone who could play as a striker, but uh, he's 29 years of age and Looks, I don't know. Looks, it looks like nothing. Nothing. Looks like he's going to Marseille. Like, yeah, it? yeah. It looks like he might be going to Marseille. Maybe that's punishment for us not signing uh, Malinowski. Yeah, and um, I, I, but yeah. So I just don't see. Hopefully, someone who can come in. Well, ideally, a striker, but someone there who's capable of breaking the lines and possibly being able to play. Um, I, as a striker in in certain moments, even if it's not their natural position, but I can't I can't see a physical target man coming in because I think they just identified Pellegrini to play that role sometimes, and I think it'll be someone who can play around the central striker. It wouldn't surprise me if Moranchuk comes back because I don't see any space for him at Atalanta, but also we're going to have to shell out cash because we we're not going to be able to get another loan, and then. There has been reports. There is this feeling that Torino might make a big sale before the... Well, I don't know when a transfer deadline is, but I'm presuming it's 1st of September or something like that. Uh, Bongiorno was linked in this kind of uh, potential Moran, Chuck and Soppy coming to Torino. Uh, swap deals don't tend to really happen anymore. Uh, a bit too complicated, but yeah, whether Scherz or someone goes... The, the worrying thing as well is we've been linked again with Isaac Hien. Um, the centre-back from Verona. Firstly, I don't want to see him at Torino. He's already kind of turned his nose up at coming to Torino once. So, um, But I'm not really sure why we're in the market for a centre-back unless uh, Scherz or... I mean, Bongiorno would be a strange one. But So we'll have, we'll have to see that. I think there'll be... I'd like to say there'll be a few surprises before transfer deadline, but, but knowing Torino's put, they're perfectly capable of having the same squad on the 1st of September. So... Yeah, just, like I, I saw the DCN rumour as well. I'm just not sure potentially whether they see Rodriguez as being a, an option for for that cover at left wing back. And and then I, I do, I probably prefer the sort of balance of the side of Bongiorno being the left side of centre back and Shears in the middle and then and then Gigi on, on the right hand side of the fence. I know Gigi wasn't available against Cagliari. So potentially maybe that's where they're thinking, even, even without a sale of one of the. the the bigger centre back, bigger name centre backs in shares of Bongiorno, maybe seeing Rodriguez go off to play more at left wing back, which he did a really good job last season, potentially brings in uh, the need for another centre back and allows Bongiorno to play as the left centre back more regularly. Um, yeah, I think it's. I would. One of the one of the strange things was probably the the Hien thing where he he tends to stand in January becomes a little bit strange, but. I'm not sure whether it's a promising thing that how desperate these players are to who we've had on loan to come back to Torino. So <laughs> Priet was absolutely apparently like desperate to come back last season and unfortunately couldn't get that deal done. Vlasic basically told West Ham that it was Torino or nobody, and that's part of the reason we managed to negotiate the, the deal so that he returned. Moranchik's desperate to come back. Lazaro seems like that deal happened really, really quickly. It seemed that as soon as Torino were interested in him, he was very happy to to drop to sort of to go to that destination. It's one of two things. Either Juric in Torino and the city is is creating such an environment players are desperate to play or <laughs> we're just 
attract these players who know the team once and they know that that's the best option for them to play regular football. Um, the graveyard, the graveyard of ambition. Yeah, it's just, it just like I don't I, like. I know Morenchik came stayed a little bit longer after uh, sort of. I think he, I think he even like holidayed in Turin. So I do think that part of the reason is it's a nice place to live. Um, not sure if we mentioned it last week, but Vlasic had, had said in his uh, press conference that that Torino was better than London. Um, I think we can all agree that's true. But um, yeah, it's it's. Whether it whether it's part of part of the environment that people like um, and are enjoying, but yeah, that the, it's a worrying negotiation tactic that we're relying on players themselves to just fall in love with the city or fall in love with um, just the atmosphere around the club, um, and maybe like you say that it's that there's no real pressure. There's no you seventy minutes uh, against a new seventy minutes. It's nil nil against new for inside at home. And there's just that there just didn't seem to be any sort of like oh let's go and I know we're going back to the Cali game but it didn't seem to be any really like come on this isn't good enough we need to win this like it, that, I think I, I may have mentioned before my worry again about this side is there's absolutely no leadership in there uh, Rodriguez isn't a captain who's going to scream and shout I, I would like to see maybe a little bit late but I mean if we could fulfil one of those positions and our attacking positions we're not really associated them with sort of really good leadership qualities either but if we could bring somebody in who's actually sort of just going to be like okay we've got quite a young squad let's sort of just bring in a, a bastard for, <laughs> for want of a better word who's going to sort of motivate these players into sort of no we're not going to satisfy for this come on we can score we can score a goal here um but yeah whether that's whether that's going to be possible I'm not so sure yeah, I mean, going on to your point about the players keen to come back, there's a lot of them have had quite nomadic careers. Vlasic has been passed around uh, different clubs, let's be honest. He's only really ever been successful in Russia. Um, Jan Karamo as well. Um, Ladsara, has said, has never really lasted anywhere more than the season. So maybe there's a sense of Europe's just create, created quite a stable environment where people know what they're doing. They like living in the city. And I say, great, it's pretty comfortable playing for a team. It, it, aiming for 10th place, you're not, you know, barring anything catastrophic, you're not going to get relegated and may, maybe there's not the same the same pressure. I mean, as long as you try hard and uh, uh, and are shown to give you all, the fans at the moment aren't asking for, for, for much more, which is a bit of a shame in itself. So, yeah, um, but I, yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when with a Moranchuk or a Pobeg or, or or players who've been there before, um, coming back by by the first of September. Um, Rob Milan, uh, let's cheer ourselves up. I've got a few stats for you. You know, oh, the theme is a bit deja vu and repeating things. I probably gave this stat last season, but it's it's worth going over again. So, in the twenty first century, eighteen eighteen visits to the San Siro for Torino. 11, 11 defeats, seven draws, no wins, six goals in those 18 games. I think six of the seven draws have been nil-nil. Last win was on the 24th of March, 1985, when Walter Schachner, the Austrian, scored. That's a bloody terrible record. Um, awful. Yeah, one in three games we, we score a goal at the San Siro. Um yeah, I spared I spared doing the the entire record from nineteen eighty five because it would have been a lot worse. But yes, I know that we won there in the Coppa Italia last season, albeit that in ninety minutes the game finished nil nil. Um, 
I can't. I don't think this game's come at the right time for Torino. And Milan seemed to have a very kind of uh, functional, um, yeah, encouraging win at Bologna two uh, nil as well. So I'm not feeling confident about that trip. I'm not feeling confident about Torino until I see what uh, kind of see how the transfer window unfolds. Really. One of my. Uh, You're the master of predictions. You you did three predictions last week. You predicted Torino to draw. Yeah. You predicted uh, the man, the, the nameless man at uh, Roma to score, and he did twice. Had he got as well. And you kind of predicted the fall of Lazio, and they lost 2 1 at Lecce. So, although uh, the only prediction you really got wrong was. Well, so we said Genoa would be the surprise package. We didn't say it would be good or bad. Um, so I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, we'll have to yeah, no, that one, but... a bit of a bit of mixed bag from our predictions because I also said Immobile would uh, flop, and he did score. Um, and yeah, Lecce actually, despite saying I didn't have much faith in Lazio, I did put them on my bet, and uh, yeah, they ended up costing me sixty pounds. Sixty pounds. So yeah, that's a little bit a uh, bit, bit of a bitter taste in the mouth that one, but. Um, yeah, I thought it's a great set. Going on to the man who, who shouldn't be named, I thought he actually looked quite. Uh, I saw the highlights, saw his goals. I thought he looked uh, a lot fitter. I thought actually having a full preseason potentially um, done him a, done him a world of good. Um, but yeah, moving on to players who are still here, um, I think yeah, this is AC Milan is just a game that we just don't particularly do well in. I know, like say about the cup, the cup game last season, away from away from home. Away, yeah, away from, I mean, at home again. Obviously, we beat them last season, but we've we've also managed to throw away sort of two got two goal leads against them on more than one occasion. One of my first Torino games was actually at San Siro uh, against Milan. Um, we lost five one. Uh, Pipo and Zaghi hat trick, and I'm pretty sure at least one of these goals. Um, yeah, two of them were in fact insisted by a certain David Beckham. Wow. Um, so yeah, so Beckham and Torino is probably not the combination <laughs> many people were, would associate. But yeah, I hadn't really, yeah, I hadn't realised Beckham played against Torino. Um, yeah, so, he, um, and yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly go through this Torino side. Just, just to, this is the team that started. Um, so maybe this is going to cheer us up and and motivate us into a. Uh, into a victory uh, or maybe predicting a victory. Uh, so, Sereni in goal, uh, Rivalta, Natali, Franceschini, Rubin, Jemaili, Barone, Aimo Diana, uh, Alessandro Rosina, Ignazio Abate, Rolando Bianchi. So, we actually played with uh, four fullbacks, Diana and Abate both, both became fullbacks later on in their careers. Um, and we lost 5 1. I think only one of those players I'd have in the Torino starting lineup this weekend might be uh, Abate. I'm not sure. A, I thought you said Bianchi. Um, no. Our forward line's pretty bad, but it's not, yeah, <laughs> not those levels. So yeah, I, I, um, I, this is this one. I feel like it's massively, like I, I, I know I predicted a, a draw against against Calgary, but that's if we want to be sort of move up the table and potentially look at European games, it's the home form when we need to sort of change those draws and defeats into victories. And that's a prime example, which we've not done. If we can sort of get a result here, then I'll be a little bit more optimistic and, and think that it's probably a, a, a point that we've gained as of from sort of last season, seeing as we lost uh, against Milan. And uh, then I just don't, I just don't see it. I can't see 
I think Milan are a good um got new new good signings, probably a good feel good factor. Um yeah, I'm probably gonna go to two 0 Milan. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they're not worn down by kind of European football yet either. Um I don't think Torino will score. I'd saying two 0 will be a, yeah, cancel you out. I'm just gonna go for the classic one nil. One nil defeat, um, and yeah, slightly kind of another impotent performance. Um, and then let's see, yeah, we've got Genoa at home the weekend after, um, and maybe that's where the season really starts. But yeah, real optimistic stuff from me and you there. <laughs> yeah, don't listen. Yeah, don't listen to this if you want cheering up. But again, we've still got we've, we've got a, we've got a week into a transfer window. There's still that potential that. We get bringing a. a I would, that's that's really my one hope that we bring in a player who actually gives us a little bit, like maybe even on the last day of the season, bring in somebody who's not been linked before, and maybe somebody who can't find a spell um, or can't find a place in another team, and it's just a link that comes out of nowhere, fills a position that we really need. Even like I mean, I mentioned I think in the last part about Zapata potentially being available from Atalanta. There was talk about him going to Roma. I don't think that's happening anymore. I mean, that's a sort of statement and intent. That we can do. I know he's an old, he's an older player. He's not going to be here for for a long time. But it's why Juric has mentioned him as one of the two players. I mean, we're not going to go inside Hoyland, but um, it, like that's the sort of player he wants. Why not just actually give the coach in what's likely to be his last season at the club as well, just actually give him maybe some of the things that he's actually asking for and see how it say see how it happens. This sort of constant, like I put on the tweet, it's. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting a different result. And unfortunately, that's what—that's almost what the Torino and, and Juric um, spell is, is starting to feel like. Juric will, will pre-match conference, a press conference, will talk about how he doesn't have the players for his football and needs more um, players to to be signed in, in certain positions. We then don't just even totally ignore that and then wonder why the results on the pitch aren't as good and there's just no sort of proper um, sort of imagination or creativity and I think players do need to burden some of that responsibility but why not just why not just spend a couple of extra million euros and, and maybe just give it a proper go this season if it doesn't work it doesn't work but at least we can say we tried Alright let's just hope our statement signing isn't Leonardo, Leonardo Benucci <laughs> uh, uh, that gives me nightmares Rob Torapedia do you, want me to, do you want me to read the teams again? If you get go up to go up to his second spell at Torino, if you could. All right, just going to do the teams. Okay. Torino, Milan, Fiorentina, Milan, Lazio, Parma. Can just Roma, get the? Uh, can get the? Um, can get the number of appearances at Lazio? Oh, being picky now, aren't you? I know. Okay. You can tell okay. I'm struggling. Torino 49-4, Milan 22, Fiorentina 32-8, Milan 15-4, Lazio 188-35, Parma 86-10, Roma 15-2, Torino 29-2, and then effectively he knocked around in the lower leagues. Oh, he's smiling. I've got a, I've got a suggestion, thankfully. You're not Googling. I'm just checking it's right. Oh, that's, <laughs> well, that's not how you do it, mate. I know, and, it, and it's not, not how either. you do it. I tell, you, I, I tell you, I tell you, you're right or wrong, not Google, mate. I just want, I want, I didn't want to make a stupid guess. I've done it twice now. I had two guesses, and they've both been wrong. But I didn't Except want to be all co- cocky and confident. You're not sitting on your mastermind chair with your iPad, <laughs> googling your answers. 
Man. Um, yeah, I don't know. Your wrong answer. What is your? Can share your uh, wrong answer. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to share them because I think they're both embarrassing. The second one definitely. The second one is more embarrassing than the first. All right, go um, ahead. So the first um, first wrong answer was Diego Diacentis. Um, which yeah, he did play. He did play for Milan. So yeah, which which is where I was thinking. The second one was Roberto Nutzi. Uh, I thought he could have just been a player who just continued to play in the lower leagues and never gave up. But then I knew that was wrong because I knew he was in the promotion team. Um, so yeah, that was the last act of a desperate man. Um, uh, so I'd say you've got it wrong now, but I'll get, so any clues I'll give you now. Okay, um, it's half a point. Um, best friends with Gigi Lentini. The clubs he hung around in the lower divisions are all local to Turin. So he started so, his career at Turin as well. Yeah, he's a Turin boy. He's a Torino fan, uh, but effectively finished his career at Torino. It was the season. It was a Serie B season when the first full season when I lived in Turin, he'd come back as kind of the marquee signing. Obviously, he had a very long, successful career in Serie A. I, mean, I think he's someone a bit like James Milner in terms of appearance. Like he played a lot of top flight games. Never, had, I don't think he'd really played in Serie B until he came to Torino. He'd also played for Italy. Winger. I still haven't got it. All right. Well, I think everyone at home's got it. So. <laughs> um, all right, it's Diego Fuzer. Oh, Diego. I feel Diego. like we've spoken about him as well. Is it like, again it, with a little bit before my time in Sunday Toro? Beatles are before yeah. my time, mate. I've still heard of them. <laughs> um, yeah, for, yeah. It's, 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 I've got no, I've got no excuses. I guess, I'm, like, it's, it's all good, mate. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging exactly, anyone. Exactly. I, I mean, I, well, this was one. This first be one of the easier ones. Yeah, I'm not but, judging. Um, I'm not judging you. Like, I'm not judging Med, Med Jim Boyvard in August. Don't he's worry. One, he's one of those players as well that I don't because again because he played the majority. Of, well, played all of his career before I started following uh, Toro in the in the professional game. But he's a player I know of, but associate with Lazio. So yeah, just, he was. It, it, he would just be like he just wouldn't have been a a first thought. But I know we've we've talked about him on the pod before, so I should he should have sort of entered my mind. Yeah, he was um staple of the Channel Four era, really. He played in that Beppe Signore Lazio team, um, and yeah, a great uh, great shot from outside the box, very kind of strong wide player. And then he was in the Parma team as well, which turn of the century. So, um. And didn't play for Juventus, despite all of those clubs he played for as well. So yeah, Diego Fuse, big big Toro fan. Um, so that's two nil to me already. But you are you are one up on the predict on the actual uh, table prediction. So exactly, maybe that's where I'm going to get my um, I'm going to get my victory this year. Maybe we need to do a prize for the uh, Toro P doing an prize for the predictions. All right, we'll see. So we're both on the road next week. Um, we will try and do a pod. Post Milan, if not, it it might be a pod now. Post Genoa and post transfer window uh, closing, and we can probably have some more considered thoughts on on where Torino season's going. Um, so we might be back next week. If not, we're back the week after. I think, yeah, I think we could um, safely say that if Toro lose, potentially is there won't be another podcast, and if they win, there might be a chance that we fit one in. Uh, not with the, not that we're fickle like that, but might just have a little bit more motivation to uh, fit uh, fit one in our in our busy schedules. 
Well, we'll safely say we'll see you in two weeks then. So, all right, Forza Toro. Forza Toro. <laughs>